She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. Millennium. Season 1. The End Times. Uh, okay. Well, we wrapped up Season 1 of Millennium, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Yay us. Good for us. <laughs> yeah, and you know what the end of a season means. Season wrap-up. Season wrap-up. So, first part that everyone loves is numbers. I've actually tweaked this a little bit, so maybe they'll be more streamlined. Maybe people will like it. Maybe people will still hate it. I don't know. Who cares? I don't. <laughs> anyway, so for Millennium Season 1, my overall rating for the season ended up coming out as a 7.18. Wow. Nice. Tories came out as a 6.55. Oh, wow. I'm surprised it's that low. We've got a little flip here because usually it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then my adjusted values actually went down a little bit. It went from a 7.18 to a 7.09. And Tori followed suit by going from a 6.55 to a 6.50. Oh, wow. Yes, I changed two episodes. Tori changed one. We both only moved episodes down, obviously. I moved episode one pilot from a 9 to an 8. And episode two Gehenna from an 8 to a 7. And Tori moved episode four, The Judge, from a five to a four. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tori wasn't a fan of The Judge. I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah. Across 22 episodes, I gave one three, two fours, one five, two sixes, three sevens, ten eights, and three nines. Nice. And Tori gave two threes, three fours, four sixes, five sevens, Six eights and two nines. Nice. Our combined lowest rated episode is a tie, at least by numbers. Though in each case, we kind of flipped. I gave episode 11 Weeds, which was written by Frank Spotnitz, a three, and Tori gave it a four. And Tori gave episode 14, The Thin White Line, written by Morgan and Wong, a three, and I gave it a four. So Nice. And then our combined highest rated episode is also a tie, again, by the numbers, but this time unanimously, because we both gave nine to episode 19, Powers, Principalities, Thrones, and Dominions, and to episode 22, Paper Dove. Nice. Yeah, those were really solid. Those are solid episodes. I have a question for you, Tori. Mm-hmm. What would you consider the true lowest and the true highest rated? I mean, I guess for you, you would probably say that the thin white line was your true lowest because it was a three. So, yeah, you give yeah, I think that that's probably right. Yeah, I don't think I really jived with that episode in any way. Yeah, I would probably do the same thing. So yeah, yeah, so we have individual true lowest episodes, but. Since we both gave the other one nines, which would you say you preferred? Ooh. Powers, Principality, Stones, and Dominions, or Paper Dove? Man, that's tough. I think I really like Paper Dove like a little bit more, mostly because it focuses a little more on Frank's personal life, like you know his relationship with Catherine, his relationship with Jordan, obviously their extended family and that drama. I thought that was really interesting and good to see. And it was nice to see them 
as a couple really connect. I mean, I feel like they've been a good couple the entire season, but like it was nice to see them really just have moments where you're like, oh yeah, they're a married couple who really love each other. So I thought that was good. Yeah, I think I might have to do the same. I I, I actually was going to cop out and be like, I couldn't decide between the two. But I think my one thing with the powers, principalities, thrones, and dominions is I kind of wanted a little more angel and demon shit. Like the only real angel shit we get is like the lightning bolt when he shoots Pepper. Other than that, it's just people talking. And we like, oh, I guess you're an angel. Oh, I guess maybe you're a demon or you're someone possessed by a demon. But I kind of wanted maybe a little more. Yeah, I really wanted him to disappear from that interrogation room. I really wanted them to open the door and he's just gone. And I would have thought that was, you know, really cool. But that is a little more supernatural than I think the show is trying to go. Yeah. But maybe if somewhere in the episode we'd gotten maybe a little more like, I don't know, something. Not necessarily like magic and like someone busts out some wings or something, but just a little. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, probably go to paper dub too. Although, man, I mean, we're not supposed to like Dawn, but fucking Dawn. Dawn, No, we're not supposed to like her, but yeah, she is. I mean, I kind of like that though, because I like the tension with the family member who's like, you know, not on the same page or whatever. I thought that was good. Yeah, we had a pretty interesting serial killer. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hi. So, (laughs) oh, hi. Reminds me of the room. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah. So I know we talked ahead. I know you actually don't have a lot to do. Our little, we go through episode by episode to do some stuff. And I mainly just have like shit that I either said wrong or learned a little bit more about stuff that I probably had nothing to do with the episode anyway. So I do have some, some stuff. I don't actually don't have a lot either. So this will probably be a pretty quick, short episode. But I do want to, you know, follow the path. And so. Sure. So I think last time in Terminus, we came up with a nice system where I'll just say the episode and then you can chime in. So episode one, pilot. Yeah, I don't have anything to really add for the pilot. Okay. I got distracted during the chase sequence and your Scooby-Doo callback and Clyde Bruckman's final repose reference. And. Uh, what I meant to actually add to this commentary was that the scene where, you know, it's, it's the chase sequence where Frank is chasing the Frenchman down the street mm-hmm. and everything. And apparently that scene was modeled after seven, which I've never oh. seen because Brad Pitt. So, but what it reminded me of was the scene in Lethal Weapon where Mel Gibson chases Gary Busey across the freeway and through the city on foot, which makes me wonder if maybe the scene in Seven was modeled on that as well. Although not that, like, those probably aren't the only three incidents of a similar scene. So, and I did kind of bring this up a little bit, I guess, in The Thin White Line, but I don't think I went into as much detail. So. Yeah. And then just some story time about Lance Hendrickson since it's the first episode and we kind of didn't discuss this. Um, I think we were still, I don't know what we were doing because there's stuff that I left out. But anyway, uh, Lance Hendrickson, how he got the role for the series is Chris Carter apparently wrote it with him in mind, uh-huh. the lead character. But the studio didn't really want him. They actually wanted William Hurt. Oh, interesting. Which I think would have been kind of interesting and probably really good too, honestly. So, but William Hurt was like, don't want to do TV. So, so they gave Lance Hendrickson the script and he read it and he was like, wow, this is really great. And then his agent told him that it's for TV. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to do TV. 
<laughs> so then I guess he was working on something in Vancouver and Chris Carter heard that he was in Vancouver. So he sent someone to like put a note under the door at the hotel and then they met for lunch and talked and then he agreed to do it. So, Wow, that's cool. I tried to find interviews with Chris Carter about Millennium and I there wasn't a lot out there. Like, I'm sure he's given them, but like, I just, I don't know if Google just sucks or my brain is broken from work or what, but I wasn't able to find very much. Yeah, I've got one that's a transcript from an interview he gave. I don't know if it's a radio or a TV interview. And he talks about like the first couple episodes and actually tells a story in there as well. Oh, so cool. I'll, link to that in the, I'll link to that in the show notes. But I also learned while looking into this that not only was Millennium written for Lance Henriksen, Something else was also written with him in mind, but he didn't actually end up doing that one. And that was The Terminator. Oh, interesting. James Cameron wrote it with him in mind. He ended up actually being in the movie as like a police sergeant, but obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger played The Terminator. Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. But then he was in another James Cameron movie because he was in Aliens. He plays mm -hmm. Bishop in Aliens, which I thought was interesting because in 86, he plays Bishop. Right. So James Cameron movie. And then in 87, he's in Near Dark, which is a Catherine Bigelow movie. And like uh -huh. a year later, she and James Cameron would get married. So I wonder, like, what the connection there with. Uh, oh, hmm. is. So yeah. I wonder That's if that has question. something to do with it or not. Or just like they knew each other, you know. And so it's like, oh, yeah, let's, let's ask Lance to do it. No idea. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And then I was doing something with season one that I then later stopped. But this episode is our Lost Boys one of one because we get the Frenchman hanging from under the bridge. And I remember yes. jokes like, you know, like Michael hanging from the bridge underneath. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Episode two, Gehenna. Yeah. My only thing is I was re-listening to this episode and I had just listened to Marnatha. And I thought it was funny that in both episodes, we talked about the difference between Russian and Ukrainian and how we don't know the difference, but there is a difference and TV usually doesn't know the difference. And so I just thought that was funny. Oh, that that's right. Twice. Because this one was, they were bringing the, it was the immigrants. Uh -huh. Fuck, we talked about the connection because, because Mike Atkins is in there and then he yes. got fucked up in that episode and then he dies in, well, not in that episode. No, he wasn't in that episode. He was in the next, he was in the one right before it. Right. Uh, powers, principalities. Yeah. So, okay. I'm getting that confused. But yeah, I forgot that Gehana had the stuff. Oh, that's funny that we talked yeah. about the same thing. So we had talked about it twice. I was just like, oh, we just talked about that again. How funny. It just, I guess it came oh, up twice in the show. Yep. Huh. That's kind of, yeah, that is interesting. So I can't remember shit. Um, yeah. Anyway, I remember complaining about, well, I didn't know. Well, I actually, it probably was complaining because I complained a lot in the early days. In the first episode, they had a kind of transition. It was more of like everything was in gray and frozen and they would like come to life and then they would go into the mm -hmm. scene. And then in the second episode, they switched to the blow in or flare transition. And I was wondering which one they were going to stick with. And they stuck with that, which I get because it's kind of similar to a Polaroid kind of thing, which makes sense for the show. But I do like the other one better. But mm -hmm. yeah. And then I also talked about the, because the openings were a little bit different as well. Actually, different companies, studios, whatever, did the opening credit sequences for X-Files and Millennium. So it was two different companies that did the opening okay. sequences. I think the, the music is Mark Frost in both, but two different companies did do it. And then this one had our second Lost Boys connection because I had mentioned that it was kind of like Lost Boys with werewolves in the beginning when they're doing the hazing mm -hmm. scene. Hazing in the car yeah. and stuff, so. And one of the interviews I watched with Chris Carter talking about Millennium was like how 
who cares came about and it was more oh. like it wasn't really he just briefly mentioned that the whole point was that they were trying to get people thinking about the stuff that happens in the world because he was like comparing it to the x-files and how the x-files is like supernatural stuff and you know paranormal whereas like millennium is supposed to be more grounded in reality and so they wanted to like have something evocative at the end that made people think and so i guess who cares is what they came up with so i just thought that was interesting but yeah yeah interesting yeah. choice there yeah i just i don't know if it worked the way he wanted but i, I get what he was trying to do Oh, that the interview that I'm going to link to in the show notes also has your favorite bit where he talks about how like it's not really that he's psychic; it's that he has like he's so tuned into the minds of killers. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, he definitely. <laughs> I was really trying to find him like really extrapolating on that. That was what I was trying to find, and so I was like searching like Chris Carter on Frank Black. Chris Carter talks about Melinda, you know, and like yeah. I just didn't find a lot because he does mention it, but he never goes into like a lot of detail about it that I could find. I'm sure he does somewhere. And so I was just, I was trying to find like, him really going in and explaining, but like, I guess you don't really need to, I guess that's the point. Like he, no, just I think it's like, I think it's like one or two sentences, but still it's like, it's basically what you always talked about how like, like yeah. no, it's not, he explicitly like, it's not psychic. It's just, he's tuned into the mind of a killer and it's like, yeah. no, it's not. No, it's not. Well, have even in seen, the first, have you seen the show, Chris Carter? I know. Well, and even in the first few episodes, I was re-listening to them for this and like we talk a lot about how well it definitely seems like he's psychic like even in the first couple it just we're like hmm yeah. he's getting a lot of information from a body bag that's not open so it just yeah it definitely feels more psychic than i think he intended mm -hmm. it to yeah anyway episode three dead letters no i just still think it's dumb that they named a character jim when they already had a jim in the episode but and the other jim disappears eh. i don't think we do we even see him after this episode does he appear again i forget i i don't know if he appears again i know he does disappear pretty quickly and it just becomes giebel house so i don't know but i thought that was funny that they had like two gyms and then that was it well no because the gym is another millennium dude so it was him and peter watts Right. You're thinking of Giebel House's partner who also Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, mixing them up. Yeah. I guess they had a lot of extraneous people that they were like, you know what? We don't need this many. We can cut this yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. So uh, the things I thought about after listening to the episode, because all of this stuff comes to me when I'm editing because I listen, you know, obviously I'm living with it for a while. And I'm like, yeah. oh, we didn't mention this or, oh, I thought of this or something like that. And one, like the dude only poops in the first crime scene. Like they make a big deal about the fact that he defecated in the crime scene, mm -hmm. but then he doesn't do it at any other crime scene. Apparently that's interesting. And I think we brought this up before in some other episodes, but like escalation, like the dude has like a murder a day calendar. Like he's like killing people. And then once like Frank Black gets involved, he's like killing people like every day, basically, which is yeah. insane. And then I really hope that hospital patient sued the Portland Police Bureau <laughs> and Horn and won and was able to buy a house because that was fucked up. Yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah. And then he went and left and moved to Canada and got a job working for the cable company and got killed by bees. Sucks. Yeah. So. Not a happy ending. Yeah. Not a Lost Boys for this one. Two out of three ain't bad. So. Mm -mm. And we had the judge, Tori's favorite episode of the season. Yeah, I don't so. really have anything that I re-listened to our episode about it, and I was just like, yep, I, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I have is that I think I forgot the whole Lost Boys thing by that point, because we're doing, like, three episodes at that time. Like, you know, like, three different, like, we were doing Search, we were doing X-Files, we were doing Malam, and I couldn't keep track, and so I think I lost a bit. But there wasn't anything yeah. Lost Boys that I recognized, so. 
Yeah. Episode five, five two two six six six. Kaboom. Yeah, the only only thing I have for this is that like I was talking about French and I'm like, yeah, I don't even know if they say France in France. And I don't know why I said that. Because of course they say France in France. I don't know. You know what? I was probably very tired that day. And I yeah, but every time I re-listen, I'm like, oh my God, why would I say that? That's the dumbest thing I've ever said. So anyway, I yes, I know that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I have, I actually have some props for Morgan and Wong in this one because they wrote this episode. When they're examining the site of the Queen's Arms explosion, I was like, really like, why is it so dark in there? Like, it's super bright outside and like the whole side of the building is blown out. Why would it be so dark inside? I was really confused by why it was so dark and then it's so bright outside. I didn't pay attention to the fact that it was 1013 in that scene. So boom, they got me. And then later, when they raid the bomber's place, it's 1.13, which would be 10.13 Pacific time in Seattle and Vancouver. And that's some next level shit if they meant to do it, which I bet they probably did. So especially because there is some things about like time between like Seattle and Washington in that episode. So that was probably totally intentional. They slipped in like a double 10.13. So Mm -hmm. sucking up to the boss. (laughs) Yeah. Episode six, Kingdom Come. Nope, I just didn't really. You didn't really like know. this one very much. I don't. I think, did not. Actually, I didn't like it, and it was yeah, yeah. It wasn't my favorite. Yeah, this was back when we were using our books a lot, and I had mentioned that Robert Sherman talked about the episode, and you and I were talking about like I think you and I, I think we got into a little bit of debate about the episode, if I remember correctly, and he actually did kind of agree with you that everything was kind of superficial. So I wanted to give you props for that. However, he did miss a key point because in his summary, he mentions that Calloway shot himself in the head and he obviously doesn't because he walks away and the police carry him away. So he didn't shoot himself, right? It was, we thought he might, we weren't sure if he was going to shoot himself or Frank, but it's like he just shot the gun and didn't shoot anybody. Right. Yeah. And then our memories are shit because in episode two, Catherine tells Jordan that Benny has to sleep downstairs and then she's looking outside when the security lights come on and it's clear a second story view. And this episode, we had a discussion about whether Jordan's bedroom was on the downstairs or the upstairs because in this episode, she was downstairs. Oh, and we were like, right. Was it? I don't remember. So. Yeah, no, it was upstairs at one point. Yeah. Possibly again later. Yeah. And then I really could have sworn that I brought up Job in this discussion. And yet when I listened to it, I didn't. And that is because... I guess I actually brought it up like the next episode because I had forgotten. And so, yeah, because he's based like the anti-Job because his reactions to his personal tragedy and feeling abandoned by God are just to go around killing people. Whereas mm-hmm. Job is like, oh, well, that's what happens. God's will. So, yeah. Yeah. Episode seven, Blood Relatives. Yeah, I don't really have any. So I don't have anything else really at all for any episode, just FYI. Cool. Well, this is just going to be a quick run through with Nick then. So you guys can buckle in (laughs) or you can stop listening, I guess. So although Tori might say something super witty, you guys never know. Especially because my comment about blood relatives involves Donnie Faster. Oh, Yeah, I actually misspoke about Chip Johannesson being the co-writer of The Return of Donnie Faster in Season 7 of The X-Files. He's actually the sole writer, or at least is credited as the sole writer for that episode. I was probably conflating the fact that Chris Carter wrote Irresistible, and then you read that 
that episode was actually like the impetus for Chris Carter to create Millennium. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and I did mention this in Force Majeure. So I guess I don't need to mention it now, but you know, maybe you didn't listen to that episode. So, and then just like some stuff outside when I was double checking, I had mentioned the Alien Nation movie and TV series in this episode. And when I was double checking it, I found out that Brian Thompson was also an Alien Nation. He's our alien assassin in the X-Files. Oh, so. nice. And then I had mentioned that George Francisco was the lead character in the movie show. In the film, the character is actually named Sam Francisco. And then his partner refuses to call him that. So he calls him George, which, of course, he would because their names are all puns like that. But in the TV show, they just called him George Francisco and ditched the Sam part. So, okay, yeah. The movie, I remember watching, I don't know if I watched the TV show. I, I, I think I do. I think I did watch the TV show a little bit because I remember the, the guy who plays the human cop in the TV show because in the movie, I want to say it was James Caan. I would have to go back and look. I should probably do more research before I do this, but I don't. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sometimes I forget what I'm going to talk about. So who knows? Episode eight, The Well-Worn Lock. Um, I did some freeze frame comparisons because we had almost back to back episodes in season three of the X Files, season eight, Obliette, and then season 10, 731, where we had trap doors. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, did they just use the same set? And they didn't. Those doors don't match at all. And so the well worn lock also has a trap door. And so I was like, oh, I wonder if it's one of those. And it's not. So all three are completely different. I guess they just build them and tear them down, which makes sense, I guess. It's not Universal Studios. So. Yeah. Yeah, different trap door. I actually have nothing for episode nine, Wide Open. Nothing for episode 10, The Wild and the Innocent. For episode 11, Weeds, the only thing I have to say, I guess actually is for episode nine and 10, because episodes eight through 10 all start with a W. Oh, in yes, the usual they do. Ignore articles, <laughs> first word kind of system, right? You, you skip the the and the Wild and the Innocent. And episodes eight through 10 are even in order. And then episode 11, Weeds, just fucks it up, which isn't surprising because that episode was garbage as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. And we have episode 12, Loin Like a Hunting Flame. Weird title and a weird episode. And I actually have to retract my theory that Art and Karen had finally consummated their marriage. Okay. Because I cannot see why Karen would do that after a visit from Frank and everything. I mean, he, yeah, he could have forced himself on her, but it didn't seem like that had actually occurred. And okay. so my assumption is that Art probably just consummated his marriage via the role play videography that he did. Okay, so, so it didn't, okay. So it wasn't actually yeah. with her. I could see yeah. that. I could see it going either way, but I, yeah, that makes sense yeah. too. Yeah, I just, I wanted to give her some agency and be like, after she realizes what's going on, I could not see her consenting to doing that. Sure. Again, that doesn't mean that she wasn't forced to do it. So, right. but yeah. Episode 13, Force Majeure. Episode 14, The Thin White Line. Episode 15, Sacrament. So I brought back the Lost Boys tracker for this one at some point, I guess. So this would be like three of 15. I actually, in my notes, I say that it would be four of 15 possibly, and I could not figure out where the other one would come from, so I have no idea. I need to do better note-taking possibly when I'm making these because it's been six months since I wrote them. But -hmm. the guy who played Frank's brother played Lord Byron in Haunted Summer, which also included Alex Winter playing John Polidori. So that was the the link in that one, which I did mention in the episode. And then again, I have no idea where I was thinking there's another one. So, yeah. Episode 16 was Covenant. Episode 17 was Walkabout. 
And this one is not about the episode, as a lot of mine aren't. But when we were talking about the director's credits, I said The Amazing Spider-Man was in the 60s. And it's actually in the 70s, because I was talking about the Nicholas Hammond live-action version. But I was trying to distinguish it from Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man. And I may have unintentionally conflated it with the 67 cartoon for some listeners. Like, I knew what I was referring to, but I misspoke and said 60s instead of 70s. My notes actually had 70s in them, but I said 60s in the episode, which I often do yeah i, I mean misspeaking is just <laughs> i misspeak all the time it's just how yeah. it is sometimes i can fix it that one i couldn't so i just let it ride like i said this is mainly me fixing dumb shit that i said yeah <laughs> or remembering dumb shit that i wanted to say and forgot so you know either yeah. way episode 18 was lamentation which was part one of two and then episode 19 was Powers, principalities, thrones, and dominions, which we discussed was not really a part two, but whatever. I mean, it did have enough of a connection that I could see why they would call it that. But yeah, it's not really quite like an X-Files part two where it's like. Yeah, it wasn't a cliffhanger. Yeah. So, yeah. I so desperately wanted to put an Oxford comma in the title of our episode, but I didn't because they don't, and I don't want people to think that is me, and it bugs me so much. So I just want to get that off my chest <laughs> that it does not have a comma after Thrones because they did not put one. And I don't know, maybe Thrones and Dominions is supposed to be one thing, and so it wouldn't have a comma. But to me, it seems like it's four things, and so Thrones mm-hmm. should have a comma, in my opinion. So Also, I spelled out Phaistos for listeners because they can't see words on the screen, but I spelled it wrong. I said P-F-A-E-S-T-O-S instead of P-H-A-E-S-T-O-S. And probably because I'd just been talking about Donnie Faster and obviously P-F-A-S-T-E-R, faster, faster, faster. So, yeah. Yep. That's probably what I did. But yeah, I was like, oh, my Jesus Christ, Nick, you're trying to spell stuff out for people and you spell it wrong. Brilliant. <laughs> so, And then in another misspeak that I made, I mentioned a TV show that I used to watch and I called it sort of revenge porn. And I was kind of following the phraseology of poverty porn, but I probably should have said that the TV show was more of a revenge fantasy because revenge porn has a very different connotation. It does have a different meaning. Yes. I get what you mean with the poverty porn, revenge porn thing, but yeah, it definitely means something else now for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so it was more like revenge fantasy TV series. It was actually called Dark Justice. It ran for three seasons from 91 to 93. But the lead actor changed from seasons one. And then in season two and three, it had a different actor. The season one actor is Remy Zada, who reminded me of Richard Cox, who played Aleister Pepper. And so that's who I was talking about, because that's that's what it reminded me of. The show itself was kind of reminiscent of DC Comics uh, Vigilante series, which I also read in the 80s. And I know that saying DC Comics is like saying ATM machine, but that's them, not me. They chose to call themselves that in 1977. So Mm -hmm. Detective Comics Comics. Yay. (laughs) Episode 20 was Broken World. And again, I said something kind of that I just want to correct. I had mentioned John Dennis Johnson, who plays Sheriff Jeffrey Faulkner, was on Supernatural. And I said that he was possibly playing a houseless person because there was a clip on IMDb from Supernatural when you go to his thing. It was season one, episode 15, The Benders, and he plays the patriarch of the titular family who kidnap people and then play the most dangerous game, hunt them down and kill them. So, but like he and his sons are dirty and that's often like code for houseless people on television. 
So, and I never yeah. listened to audio when I'm online, so I didn't know what the dialogue was. Right. So, also, that episode of Millennium was written by John Shebon. Oh. And he will write a total of zero episodes of Millennium. But we have kind of talked shit about John Shebon. And I remember at one point you were talking about how it might be interesting to go through his supernatural episodes to see how they compared. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that he wrote that one, it was kind of like, oh shit, that's a John Shebon episode. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't remember that one super well. So, and if it's in season one, that's probably why, because I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, apparently Sam gets kidnapped by the dude. They're going to investigate some stuff. And then Sam gets kidnapped by the family. And then Dean ends up teaming up with a sheriff whose brother had also been kidnapped by the family and was found dead later. So they have to go find him. And then they both get captured as well. And then Dean has a scene with them. And they escape. And then, uh, I won't spoil the ending, but it involves someone getting murdered. But not yeah. Dean, so there we go. I feel like if you're like a serial killer family trying to kidnap people to hunt for fun, accidentally grabbing one of the Winchesters is probably going to be your fatal mistake. So that would make yeah. sense. Yeah. Episode 21 was Maranatha, which Tori actually had some stuff for already, talking about the whole Russian-Ukrainian thing, mm -hmm. which I, that's, I did not even think about that occurring. I forgot all about that. We talked about that. Because the family of the kid disappears was uh, mm -hmm. immigrant, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he has that letter that he wrote. And we weren't really yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, and we weren't sure. Yeah. Again, we're probably assuming Russian because TV, they wanted to make it simplified. But yeah. Yeah. And then episode 22, Paper Dove. So after we recorded the episode, I started thinking about how we never really watched the opening themes. We talked about this before the X-Files too. We don't normally watch the theme so much as like skip through them and just check the end to see if they change like the words. And I was like, oh shit, this was the end of season one. What if they changed the who cares? Oh. And so I was like, crap. And also I was wondering if maybe they're going to change the opening from season one to season two in Million, which they actually do. And we'll talk about that. And that's not all that's going to change. And we'll squeeze that in too. But I was suddenly just super afraid that we had like totally blew it and like didn't check to see if they had pulled like an apology as policy on us or something. They didn't. So we didn't oh. see anything. But I was super <laughs> okay. afraid that they had and we just didn't weren't paying attention. No. So. Chris Carter really wants you to think about who cares about these people. <laughs> Yeah, but it does change for next season. Okay, so cool. The I'm whole thing kind of changes, like all the imagery they use changes a little bit, but then the end has a different text as well. And I, I've only watched the first episode of season two, so I cannot tell you if it is consistent, but it is yeah. different from season one. I so. have not watched it yet at all, so I do not know. I was curious. <laughs> And like I said, I saw something else that changed too, and we will undoubtedly talk about that because uh -huh. I was like, wait what wait what wait what what and then i was like oh oh okay that's mm -hmm. an odd choice okay so yeah teasers right. so yeah so that's uh the end times i mean not really the yeah. end times because there's going to be a season two but i thought that was a nice name we use terminus for x-files so i figured we use end times for millennium yeah so. so i just really quick want to talk about this poll that i did on twitter <laughs> Oh, that's um, right. You did a poll on Twitter. Twitter sucks now. So we never got a ton of reach, 
But I did a poll about Home, which is an episode of X-Files in season four. And we got like some retweets and stuff and it got like more votes. This one, like, I don't know. I feel like we just don't get any action on Twitter anymore. So if you're on Twitter and you wonder why I don't really post much on Twitter, I mean, I'll try and post the episode stuff. But like, I don't know. I feel like every time we post, nothing happens. No one acknowledges it. And it's just Twitter is useless. But I did try and post a poll because I was curious and I still am. If people who were fans of the X-Files in the 90s, like I was, watched Millennium in the 90s. And you guys know that I didn't really watch Millennium in the 90s. I watched Based on the ratings, most people Um, do. Yeah. But I was just curious, and so I would love to hear from you. If you're an X-Files fan who watched both, please reach out. Let me know. I would love to just know what you thought and what the draw was compared to the X-Files. But I did the poll, and I was like, hey, you know, if you were a fan, did you also watch Millennium? And the responses were yes every week sometimes or no and then i also had a what's millennium uh we only got 14 responses so it's not a huge sample size but 28 percent of people like said yes they watched it every week 28 percent said sometimes and then 42 percent said no so thankfully no one said they didn't know what millennium was although strangely the percentages added up to 101 percent yeah, because there's Which some points me. in there that I didn't even put in. But yeah, it's because Twitter is a mess. Twitter is a stupid, stupid mess. So anyway, yeah, that was pretty much. I was just curious to see if other X-Files fans were really into Millennium. It doesn't seem like that is the case. Yeah. And then I couldn't vote in the poll because in 97, I wasn't a fan of the X-Files anymore. <laughs> and so I didn't feel that I could actually vote because it said, if you were a fan of the X-Files, did you watch <laughs> And so my answer would have been no, because I didn't watch either of them, but I didn't feel like I could technically vote in the poll. Yeah. I don't think I was watching TV at all in 97, honestly. Yeah, that was me in like 2001 to 2004 or something. I didn't watch much TV. And then I caught up on Netflix with all the little discs that they would send to your house (laughs) before it was a streaming service. The amount of technology that has changed in my short lifetime really makes me understand why people hit like 60, 70, 80, and they're like, no, fuck that. I don't care anymore. I'm not getting into that. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I kind of, I'm, yeah, I kind of go with it. I'm, I'm one of those people that can just, I'm able to move through it pretty easily, I think. And like, it does kind of like, oh, I mean, the thing, I don't know if it bugs me. I'm not like, I, I try and I, I'm really trying not to be cranky old man. I used to be, I've been cranky old man since I was like three, but in since recent mental issues, I'm trying not to be cranky old man. I think what I find weird is just the amount of people who don't know how things used to work. Like that just kind of boggles my mind and don't understand like. Yeah. Well, I feel like just stuff changed so fast and like, it's just crazy to me because I'm not that old. I'm 41. So I guess I'm I'm old, but like middle age, whatever. But like, it's funny because like when I was in elementary school, people didn't have computers. Like it was card catalogs. It, people didn't have cell phones. Like Mulder having a cell phone in the 90s was like novel. Like most people didn't. Yeah. You couldn't afford it. It was expensive. They didn't have good service. So they were kind of useless. Like... <laughs> it just wasn't a thing and like you know i didn't get a cell phone until i was like 25 like in the mid 2000s when a lot of people already had them i was pretty like "Eh, i don't need it and it's just funny how like so much has changed and now like your phone is like this little computer you keep in your pocket like i didn't even have a computer when i was a kid and now it's like i don't know it's just amazing to me how quickly things change and 
I don't know, like I'm already like, nope, not doing TikTok. So I'm sure there's going to be more stuff in the future. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just, just not, like... I'm not a, I'm not a video person anyway. Never have been. No, then, I don't want I people. Don't... I don't want an app feeding me random. Like I'll, I'll go down YouTube polls for sure. But like, I don't want an app feeding me just a stream of shit that I have no control over. I just have. Well, no then, from, I mean, I, I understand that TikTok is a like remix and reuse sort of thing as well Mm -hmm. but like just like when i'm looking through instagram and we'll see like the same iteration of the same meme redone by different people and you're Mm -hmm. like okay like i just saw this with like a different image and the same text or the same image or video and like different you know it's, it's from a different person so it's like they're using the same base or the same idea and just redoing it and i'm like when i see like three of those in one day that are all different i'm kind of like yeah i i'm never going to TikTok because i think that's probably even worse so yeah, yeah i think I just, it probably uh, is but... the whole like people wanting to jump on that bandwagon of like oh look what i it's like no you you saw that and then you decide to make your own version of it and you're not giving citation for what you just stole so that's i think that's my big issue with that kind of stuff it's just a lot of like, yeah it's a lot of jumping on band because it's all about trying to get hits and you know popularity so you can maybe make money and just like everything is late stage capitalism is going great guys it's going great (laughs) uh so it kind of feels like maybe we're drifting towards the end times whoa speaking of the end times (laughs) i want to rewatch is hosted by tori and nick and recorded in collaboration with black cat and orange tuxedo studios Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy M Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files and X-Files related television and films. If you like what we're doing, check out our show notes for ways to support the podcast, speaking of capitalism, and of course, (laughs) tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still still out there. The truth is what we make of it.
One thing that was funny re-listening to Millennium, not just the Patreon stuff at the beginning of most of the early ones, but like at the end, we really did try to be like, join us next time for and uh-huh. try and like say what was next. And I thought that was really funny. We did that, we did we we did that with the X Files too. We were always yeah. like next episode. And then finally yeah, we... had to give up. So I'm like, I don't know when this shit is coming out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we finally had to be like, you know what? There'll just be something. It'll be what we're not gonna promise something. anything. No more promises. Yeah. So I yeah. just thought that was amusing too. <laughs> yeah. Oh For dear. In search of Wednesdays and da, 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 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's stuff that I wouldn't do differently, but I'm not going to go back and. No, I wouldn't either. It. You know, we were trying <laughs> things. It didn't work the way we wanted. It's fine. That's how things go. 